What are we doing first? Queen Mary. Oh, fuck. All right. I need my other script up then. Hold on. <laughs> oh, did you want to do your short stories first? It doesn't matter. I just need to know what we're doing so I can <laughs> be prepared. <laughs> like one way or another, I need the right script up. <laughs> I, I don't know why you would require that. It's ne never been something we've done on this show is be prepared. <laughs> All right. So Queen Mary it is. Queen Mary it is. We've been right. recording this whole time. I've started leaving these early, like, beginning recordings into the show before we run the intro. I'm like, listen, we're People fucked up. People can see how dumb we are. All right. we, uh, like, if they didn't know before, cool. Wel welcome, new listeners. <laughs> Here we go. Hi you. Hi you. Hi. Are, are, are you? Are you hi? <laughs> I wish. I wish. Right? Um, welcome to History of Haunting. I'm Carrie. And I'm Laura. And we have a really cool episode today, guys. Laura, I don't have any EVPs. Do you have anything? No. No, we're just gonna jump right in. Let's do it, yeah. This That's is a big fitting. Episode. This is a big episode. This is a big episode and it's fitting. Jumping right in is the fitting with where we're taking you guys. We're going to revisit the Queen Mary. Yay. Um, so Laura and I had told you a couple of months back that we were going to start um, revisiting some of uh, the podcast's older episodes. Um, this particular episode was episode seven. And um, this was when Archie and I we're recording on my Mac laptop um, at the island in my kitchen. And so the audio isn't great and the editing is bumpy and the research is kind of rough. And so um, Laura and I got together and we were like, hey, let's let's try to basically revisit these locations um we've got better research techniques now and we have met a ton of people in the industry that have had experiences at some of these tried and true locations and the queen mary is no different so we have a lot of news stories to tell you about the queen mary um she has gone through quite a bit since the pandemic so i'm sure laura's probably going to talk about that in the history portion but Essentially, that's the purpose of these revisits that we're going to be doing on older episodes. They are um, simply just to, you know, uh, expand upon what we talked about in those beginning episodes. They are by no means trying to replace those earlier episodes. We're not taking those down. We're keeping those up. But we've got new stuff to tell you and new ways to tell you those stuffs. Yeah? Awesome. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> I mean, you could have tried. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's going to be a long episode. Guys, there's a lot of stuff. Um, my part is 
expanded is gotten a lot longer than the first one and it's funny because i was listening one of my sources is our episode uh episode seven so i went back and i was listening to it and about we're we're going through and we're talking about it and archie's like all right well looks like we're you know he's like we're probably gonna uh wrap this up soon huh and I, when he said that, I looked down at the timer on the episode and it was literally halfway through. <laughs> and I chuckled and I said to him, oh, well, you'd be wrong. Uh, and he went, oh, I, 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 and I remember that moment so clearly that he was just like, it had gone on for so long. And I had edited that episode. We were had been recording that one for hours and I had edited, edited it way down to what mm-hmm. you guys actually get. But He's like, all right, well, we should be wrapping this up soon. And I was like, nope, <laughs> not at all. Um, and it might be the same way for this one, guys. So, um, yeah, sit down, grab a glass of your favorite beverage. I've got my little water here from my Got Ghost Gettysburg Does cup. Um, and uh, I'll just uh, turn it over to you, Laura. Go ahead and take it away. What are your sources? We're, you guys, we have decided to axe the sources overlay. Um, so we're just going to tell them to you, and then you can also look at them in the show notes. So, Laura, fire away. <laughs> All right. So my sources are titanicandco.com, wikipedia.org, ssmaritime.com, britannica.com, and latimes.com. All righty. Okay. So... The RMS Queen Mary, if you are not familiar with it, is a retired British ocean liner that sailed primarily on the North Atlantic Ocean from 1936 to 1967 for the Cunard White Star Line. In the late 1920s, the Cunard Line faced an aging fleet of ocean liners, which included uh, the Mauritania and growing competition from rival companies. Uh, Cunard's answer was the Queen Mary and its sister ship, the Queen Elizabeth. Both were designed to be large, luxurious, and powerful. Uh, Our Queen Mary was the first of a pair of ships that was intended to provide a weekly service between Southampton and New York. Oh, okay. Right. So in December 1930, construction finally began at the John Brown Shipyard in Clyde Bank, Scotland, on what was then known as Hole Number 534. However, a year later, on the 11th of December 1931, construction was halted due to a worldwide economic crisis, a time we all now know as the Great Depression. Ah, yes. So, whole 534 languished until the 3rd of April 1934, uh, when due to a combination of a large government subsidy and a merger for the Cunard and White Star Lines, it made it possible to um, restart construction. And these are the same, these are the folks that did the, the Titanic. Right. Okay. White Star or yeah. Cunard? White, White Star. Star was the Titanic. Okay. Yeah. So the work was completed by August and she was launched on 26th of September and taken to its fitting out berth. Uh, she was 1,019.4 feet long with a beam of 118 feet and had a gross tonnage of 81,237 that's really so fucking rude to say about a lady. <laughs> right. That's rude. You don't ever say a lady's weight. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> and you certainly uh, don't call it tonnage. <laughs> gross tonnage, by the way. <laughs> oh, God. So she had three funnels, and you don't talk about her funnels. <laughs> um, 20... <laughs> Just spit your drink out. Uh, yeah. 24 boilers and four-person single-reduction gear 
geared steam turbines, which could produce 158,000 kilowatts of power. So she could accommodate uh, 2,139 passengers, 776 um, of which were first class, 784 cabin class, 579 tourist class passengers, and she had a crew of over 1,100. Damn. That's a big-ass crew. That's a big-ass crew, man. Mm-hmm. So among some of the facilities available on board the Queen Mary, the liner featured two indoor swimming pools, beauty salons, libraries, and children's nurseries for all three classes, a music no. studio and lecture hall, telephone connectivity to anywhere in the world, outdoor paddle tennis courts, and dog kennels. Wow. Okay. Right? God. The largest room on board was the cabin class, first class, main dining room, Grants, which was also known as the Grand Salon. Mm. So spanning three stories in height and anchored by wide columns, the ship had many air conditioning public rooms on board. Wow. Uh, the cabin class swimming pool facility spanned over two decks in height. Mm. Um, and this was the first ocean liner to be equipped with her own Jewish prayer room. Part of a policy to show that British shipping lines avoided the anti-Semitism that was evident in Nazi Germany. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So the cabin class main dining room featured a large map of the transatlantic crossing um, with twin tracks symbolizing the winter and spring routes. Um, Obviously, they went further south to avoid icebergs. Lesson learned. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Right. So during each crossing, a little motorized model of the Queen Mary would travel along the mural to indicate um, where they were en route. <laughs> That's cute. So like Isn't when you fly and it's like, this is where your airplane yeah, is. Their little map. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they had like a big old thing and it would just yeah move along. Ding, ding, ding. That's really quite adva- technologically advanced for the era. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this yeah. was first... I mean, this was, they didn't spare expenses. Let's just put it that way. Right. It was pretty, pretty fancy. So <laughs> as an alternative to the main dining room, the Queen Mary featured a separate class cabin veranda grill on the sun deck at the upper aft of the ship. The veranda grill was an exclusive a la carte restaurant with a capacity of approximately 80 passengers and was converted to the Starlight Club at night. So also on board was the Observation Bar, which is an Art Deco-styled lounge with wide ocean views. So woods from different regions of the British Empire were used in her public rooms and staterooms. Accommodation Mm. ranged from fully equipped, luxurious cabin first-class staterooms to modest and cramped third-class cabins. Okay, so where we would be. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, The legend has it that when construction was finished, the board of directors directors at Cunard decided to name her the Queen Victoria after one of England's most beloved queens. So the delegation went to ask King George V for his blessing on the proposed name. So, quote, we have decided to name our new ship after England's greatest queen. And they were, of course, referring to Queen Victoria, the King George's grandmother, of course. But the queen, the king supposedly quickly said, my wife, who was Queen Mary, will be delighted that you are naming the ship after her. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't really back up and be like, no, we meant we meant the we meant the greatest one. (laughs) Exactly. It is one of my favorite stories. And they wanted to name it Victoria to keep up with the IA part. Right. Like, Uh yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. But so the ship was named Queen Mary instead of Queen Victoria. I mean, that's some power, though. Uh, we can't anger him. Like, so now I guess it's Mary. What right. if her name had been like, <laughs> what if her name had been like Brunhilda or something? <laughs> yeah, wow. Well. Or God forbid, what if her name had been Laura? <laughs> I mean, Queen Laura. That sounds... Queen Laura. <laughs> um, 
So on September 26, 1934, the ship was launched in the presence of His Majesty King George V and, of course, Queen Mary. Ah. Uh, the RMS Queen Mary's historic maiden voyage to New York commenced on Wednesday, uh, May 27th. Um, and she departed fully laden as bookings, ha- bookings had been sold out long in advance. So apparently the passenger list read like a page from the who's who. Um, uh, first class passengers included knights, ladies, dignitaries, and famous artists. So during her maiden voyage, there were even two stowaways found. Uh, they were re- <laughs> retained and returned to Southampton to face justice. Uh, but at least they can say that they sailed in the Queen Mary. I mean, for a minute, yeah. Right. <laughs> Good for you. No regrets. <laughs> right? <laughs> so despite expectations that the ship would try to break speed records on her first voyage, a thick fog destroyed any hope of that. So in July, the Queen Mary spent a short time in dry dock uh, while adjustments were made to the propellers and the turbines. And when she returned to service in August, she made a record voyage from Bishop's Rock to Ambrose Light and took the Blue Ribbond from the SS Normandy who was a um, the competing French liner. Oh, wow. So that is the fastest. That's the record, right? The right. rebound. So History is filled with the English and the French competing with each other. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> so, and this went back and forth, right? They, they would lose it to the Normandy and then get it back. So uh, in August of 38, she um, regained the blue rebound from the Normandy for a second time and set new records for both the eastbound and westbound crossings. Hmm. So she was... Not only beautiful, she was very fast. Yes. And did the, like wasn't my ladies. There. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't talk about their funnels. <laughs> right, um, don't. don't. Uh, and wasn't like the Titanic also trying to like break speed records, which is why he was like going at like full steam ahead through that field of icebergs. Like I think that was something that came out later about the Titanic that they should have been going slower yeah and breaking speed records was like i guess a big big deal like for Mm -hmm. any ship to you know let's not get in there safe let's just get in there quick (laughs) right yeah like hey let's get there Mm-hmm. Um, so as a Queen Mary departed Southampton on August 30th in 1939, sailing via Cherbourg, France, bound for New York, um, little did anyone know that this would be the great Queen's last peacetime voyage for the very next day the Nazis invaded Poland. Die. Ah, yes. So on the 31st, the captain was informed that for security reasons, he was to run a zigzag course across the Atlantic and operate under blackout conditions in order to elude German submarines. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So amongst the celebrities on board for this voyage were Bob and Dolores Hope. Although he was traveling solely as a passenger and was not on board as an entertainer. Oh, my God. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is said that he continuously made light, even fun of the situation, and that it was not well received, especially by the British passengers. Oh, shit. Well, listen. (laughs) You gotta, I mean, you, excuse me, you, I just kicked my entire desk. Um, You have to, you have to, like, break that tension, like, but also, you know, British passengers were probably, you know. I mean, since, yeah, it's a little, it hits a little closer to home for them. A little bit. So most passengers were very apprehensive for the next four nights as all exterior lights were extinguished and lookouts were posted around the ship and the helmsman continually steering a zigzag course, making the ship a difficult target for a torpedo. 
So after four worrying nights as her passengers finally arrived safely in New York on Monday, September 4th, uh, she was then laid up uh, waiting new orders, which would Mm. take another six months. Do you want to pause real quick? Yeah, let me just... Okay, sorry guys. Uh, Laura went to tend to her dog, and then the second I paused it, my internet went out, and then it was a whole thing, and <laughs> she was waiting for me, and, and I'm like, <sighs> sorry, it's back on. And then she took a minute to log back in because she got kicked out, and then I was like, anytime you're ready, like I wasn't the one that caused like the bulk of the problem. <laughs> it's pretty par for the course in our relationship. I mean, um, whatever. You know. She was zigzagging through the dark with Bob Hope. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, good. All right. So she did. They did make it. To, uh, like I said earlier, to New York. So um, on March first, nineteen forty, um, official orders came from the uh, Admiral calling for the Queen Mary to sail to Sydney, Australia, where she would be refitted for war duties. So upon arrival, she was handed over to the cockatoo docks. I just wanted to say that an engineering company. <laughs> I mean, they sound no legit, cares, but it's fun. And, uh, where she was converted for her new role as a trooper. So they took out all her nice furnishings Boo. and replaced them. Yeah. With, a um, they were replaced by tiers of bunks and hammocks. So for protection, a number of small caliber guns were fitted. However, as it is said, her main protection was her impressive speed. Hmm. So, um, on May 4th, 1940, she left for the Clyde, which is um, Clyde Bank, uh, Scotland, with over 5,000 troops of the Australian Imperial Force on board, arriving on June 16th. You said Clyde Bank, like we should all just know. You're like, "Mm, Clyde Bank in Scotland. And I'm like... (laughs) Well, they in some of the articles kept calling it the Clyde, the Clyde. So I had to look it up. So I was like, I know now. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the rest of us That's dummies. <laughs> yeah, That's now why I've I put it, it in parentheses to make sure that I said that instead of just saying the Clyde because I was like, what the fuck is this Clyde they keep talking about? <laughs> Who is Clyde? this guy? Is he in charge of the cockatoos? <laughs> what is that? right? What's going on? Um. <laughs> so. Um, after she dumped those Australians over at the Clyde, uh, she went to Singapore um, carrying troops due to the Japanese threat of the region. So after an overhaul in Singapore, she returned to Sydney again uh, when she commenced her five-year-long trooping duties. Wow. During which time she transported over 800,000 troops. That's pretty impressive. That's kind of a lot. I mean... A smidge. So uh, av- <laughs> she was dry docked again in February of 1941, where after she sailed between Australian ports and Singapore and the Suez Canal until November. But as the Indian Ocean was becoming increasingly dangerous with mm-hmm. war looking imminent in the Far East and the Pacific, uh, the Queen Mary sailed to Boston, where her trooping capacity was increased to 8,500 and heavier caliber guns and anti-aircraft cannons were fitted. Yeah, okay. So they just made her a better bitch, basically. So after added urgent... to her gross tonnage. <laughs> they did add to her gross tonnage, though, but they left her funnels alone. <laughs> Fucking so... men, man. <laughs> <laughs> so after an urgent trip carrying U.S. troops to Sydney, the Queen Mary's future role was to be on the North Atlantic. Uh, by late July in 1942, she had returned to New York, and in the following months, she sailed to the Clyde, 
uh, and Suez, and then return to the U.S. Right, uh, with the complement of German POWs. Oh, I forgot so, about this. Right. So on the 2nd of August, 1942, she began a series of fast eastbound voyages carrying between 10 to 15,000 U.S. troops at a time. On one of these voyages, uh, she had the worst collision of her career. So the Queen Mary required an anti-aircraft escort when she approached on the Clyde. <laughs> Amongst her escort was a cruiser HMS Kurosawa. 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 We call it Kurosawa in the first episode. Kurosawa. On the 2nd of October, 1942, the escort ships were sighted. Uh, The Queen Mary was steaming at 28 knots in a zigzag pattern, uh, whilst the Kuratakoa, whose best speed was 26 knots, kept as close as possible. Uh, The Queen Mary overtook her escort and then resumed a zigzag pattern, but the Queen Mary collided with the Kuratakoa close to its stern and sliced straight through the ship. Fuck. Yeah. Of 430 crew members on the cruiser, only 101 survived. Oh. Although damaged beneath the waterline, the Queen Mary was able to continue. And with over 11,000 troops on board, she could not stop to assist and sailed straight to the Clyde. Damn. So it, it was the policy at the time that... Ugh. Oh, fucker. D- Eddie! <laughs> I didn't even see him jump up there. Get here. All right. Here's your own... Fucking Germans. All right. It was the policy at the time that for safety reasons, the ship could not stop to pick up survivors as a threat of U-boats was present. Sure. And kittens. And kittens. Uh, Okay. So, (laughs) kittens. So in April 1943, she returned to England and then birthed in New York in May. So after this voyage, she would remain as a ferry service for U.S. troops for the remainder of the war. Mm. So she is uh, perhaps best remembered for that role. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, there were, however, many soldiers that perished during the war on board. Um, And fortunately, as part of security records, weren't kept from World War II. uh, But when the ship was in the Red Sea, there was no getting away from the fact that troops were crowded below in 120 degree temperatures. There was no ventilation. Portholes were welded shut because of blackouts. And they were losing people from heat prostration. Kind of. So I think there I the last when listening to our uh, original episode i think it was something like was it like five four or five barrels at sea a day because of so yeah so during that period yeah there was um a burial at sea every four hours oh and yeah there are also stories of soldiers who would literally jump ship as soon as the queen mary left new york and who knows how many of um, those people drowned or how many made it to shore Jesus. I'm not doing this again. Goodbye. I mean... Good God. It's not like they were going somewhere fun. (laughs) So... She wasn't the fancy thing she used to be. No, she sure wasn't. So, listen, not all of us are. So, Prime Minister Winston Churchill uh, did credit the Queen Mary for shortening the war by as much as a year. Really? Uh, Yeah. Oh. So, because of her ability to transport so many troops... Wow, that's new. I didn't know that. Yeah. So at the conclusion of the war, um, she continued to transport troops, war brides, and their babies home until 1946. (laughs) And their babies. (laughs) And the babies. 
So after the war, the Queen Mary resumed its career as a passenger liner. Uh, following a retrofit, uh, the ship made its first post-war commercial vo- voyage in July of 1947. Uh, it enjoyed huge popularity until the 60s when airplane travel led to dwindling interest in transatlantic liners. Hmm. Uh, the Queen Mary added new routes, including a Mediterranean cruise. However, in 1966, Kennard announced that it was selling the ship. Uh, and the following year, the city of Long Beach, California, bought the Queen Mary for $3.45 million, planning to turn it into a hotel and tourist attraction. That's actually so, not much for a ship. No. That's not much at all. Mm-mm. Huh. So in October of 67, the Queen Mary departed for Long Beach on its last voyage. Aww. Yeah. So the ship then underwent extensive renovations that cost about $31 million. So there we go. Oh, there's <laughs> where it is. There's the there. shoe drop. <laughs> so in 1971 the liner began hosting tours and by years and a portion of its museum of the sea was open to the public queen mary's hotel began accepting guests the following year and several restaurants were added um in 1983 howard hughes spruce goose the world's <laughs> largest flying boat yes. was installed next to the queen mary as an additional attraction um however that plane was moved to oregon in 1992 is that where it's at? Because we did, when I was little, yeah. we did go and see the Queen Mary and the Spruce Goose. And my oh, mom and I cool. were just talking about that when we were writing this episode. And she was like, what happened to that? I'm like, it got moved, but I'm not sure where. Well, there you go. I don't know if it's but, still there, but that's mm. where it was originally moved. Mm. Uh, so Disney purchased the boat in 1990 with the mm-hmm. intentions to create a theme park called Port of Disney, which would be dedicated to ocean life around the world and encompass the ship and the land surrounding it. So on the ship itself, they added celebrity guides for tours who were impersonating celebrities who had traveled on the ship in its heyday. They oh, cool. parties and high-end real- retailers. So one of the tours Disney implemented was called Haunted Passages, uh, which capitalized on the many legends and rumors of mysterious happenings on the boat. Yeah. So besides the incident during World War II, there have been many tragic stories attached to the Queen Mary. So there are nearly 50 reported deaths aboard the boat, uh, Mm. from crew having accidents in the engine and boiler rooms to a young girl drowning in the first-class pool. Uh, rumors abound of, you know, truly g- grisly murders and unexplained deaths aboard, too. Mm. Um, Which so, yeah, I'll cover in my part. <laughs> yeah, you'll get to it. So um, the vast majority of the deaths were from natural causes, like heart attacks on board and stuff like that. Sure. Except for this guy called Petter. He was a young seaman. I'm sure that you will talk about him again, too. And plus, I got to say seaman. Crushed by a mechanical door during an emergency drill. And Stark, a senior second officer who died after drinking some gin that turned out to be cleaning fluid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, yeah, or also suggested that since the death occurred in Southampton, England, that it could have been some very cheap dockyard gin. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, not too long after Disney um, had taken over uh, the ship, the project failed. Um, and Disney abandoned the idea of Port Disney uh, when the company's lease on the area was not renewed. Uh, mm-hmm. Some claim it was low attendance numbers, but others say the city of Long Beach bungled the deal. Oh. So, yeah, operating the Queen Mary provided challenging, uh, proved challenging, sorry. And on several occasions, Long Beach struggled to find firms willing to assume control, including maintenance of the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Queen Mary closed in 92 and it reopened the following year. The ship also closed from 1920. 
1920, 2020 to 2022 during the, the pandemic. So in 2021, the lease for the Queen Mary was surrendered back to the city of Long Beach, who has since, since begun repairs to restore the ship back to its original glory. Yeah. Um, however, they did demolish the, some of the lifeboats and they were, it was very much on, um, on the table to mm. sink it. Yes, so, they had like three options. And mm-hmm. yeah, one of them was really expensive. One of them was... Uh, like scrap it for parts and the other one was sink it Mm -hmm. yeah the paranormal community was horrified at the very idea they would sink that ship well and the issue was it was um it needed it's still i mean they're they're working on it now but the repairs that it needed were so extensive that they were actually worried it was going to collapse yeah and because it was like for like safety reasons so you know right because wasn't it like like the underwater part I mean, because it's not dry docked, it, but it's it's also not no, like but... the USS Wilmington that's like stuck in 14 feet of mud. So there were like p- underwater parts that were like rusting and being eaten away and just sort of from sitting there for decades. Right. Yeah. Some of the support for the ship was actually like rusted away. Yeah. So, um, but they are restoring her, the city, and she is open um, as a hotel um or they do all kinds of tours mm-hmm. so ghosty and otherwise uh they you really can also do. go there for like you know dinner you can go you can get married there there's all kinds of stuff so it's still open it's still kicking ass thank god totally i was go visit her. so relieved when they were like we're gonna save her we're gonna we're gonna keep her because the idea that they might sink her was horrifying. It was like, right. But, but, but there are so many of us that haven't gotten to investigate her yet. <laughs> I didn't get to this. Please keep her. Please. All right. So that is this, the history of the Queen Mary. Good job. I love it. Yeah. And you brought a lot of new stuff that I didn't know. That I didn't oh, know. Oh, hey. That Archie I always love that. Yeah. Well, and you know what I've found in... Because I don't have my notes from 2019. That was years ago and like six computers ago. But mm-hmm. um, so I was finding new and like like updated information and on the hauntings and stuff like that. And so I thought, you know, Laura surely will as well with the history. Um, so, yeah, great job. Um, it is um, my son's uncle and his wife got married on the Queen Mary. And so they go back and I, they either go back and have lunch or whatever, like a special meal every year on their anniversary. And um, it's so cute. Yeah. One of my favorite um, stories, I didn't go to their wedding, but um, one of my favorite stories is that Koi's dad, Josh, um, at the reception um, got a little inebriated and started taking Jeremy and Tracy's wedding guests on uh, impromptu ghost tours throughout the <laughs> ship. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, yeah, yeah, Josh is, yeah. Josh, there's a reason why Josh and I connected so well because we love a lot of the same stuff. So, awesome. okay, guys, uh, the hauntings. Um, I think I have everything. I was looking and I'm all, oh shit, I don't have when you were doing your part when we came back from the little break or whatever. I was hiatus. Like, yeah, I was like... Internet hiatus. Yeah, I'm all, uh-oh, I forgot to put the explanation for this one thing down, and I still have forgotten to do that. 
Um, so we will be right back after this brief word from nobody. Uh, let me just find my notes to add real quick, guys. Again, it's the same as in 2019. We don't know what we're doing. At least I don't. That's the one consistent thing from 2019 to then is me. So maybe, hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, guys, sorry about that. Um, so my parts, my sources are timemagazine.com, yesterdaysamerica.com, crescentvalleyweekly.com, usghostadventures.com, my former company. I don't work for them anymore, but that's who I worked for when I did the paranormal tours. Um, uh, they're kind of uh, in a little bit of hot water. with the. They own the Lizzie Borden house, and it's a whole thing. Look it up if you want to find out. There's a guy that opened a coffee shop next door and they're mad about it. Anywho, uh, worldofcruising.co.uk, whatculture.com, queenberrycruises.net, and history of a haunting podcast, episode seven. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The photos that we're going to show in today's episode are courtesy of Ron Yacovetti. He is one of the founders and the lead investigators of Gagnac Paranormal. We have talked about him a number of times. He is also the one doing um, Staticon and with Tony and Cherie and uh, his girlfriend, Lourdes. So Ron had um, a really fabulous experience on the Queen Mary, and I remembered that. So we're going to show you what he captured in a little bit. But I do want to tell you, <clears throat> in addition to my son's aunt and uncle getting married on the Queen Mary, his grandparents and this same uncle were walking on the upper decks of um, of the ship, which is all wood flooring. And his grandfather, Frank, was about 20 to 25 feet ahead of his grandmother and his uncle. And so Lori and, and Jeremy were just walking along on the ship and um, they the two of them heard a wook, a wook, a wookie. What? A wookie? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been, but... I was trying to say woman in walking. Anyway, a woman walking behind them. And the sound, it sounded like it was a woman in high heels and she was like walking very quickly, like she was getting ready to charge right past them. So they stopped and they turned around to step aside to let her go by and nobody was there. Which, yeah, I was like, what? And Lori told me this story um, when Archie and I were talking about starting the podcast and how the Queen Mary was going to be a location that we were eventually going to cover. Um, And then she told me the story. And then a couple of years later, I was talking to her husband, Koi's grandfather, Frank, about it. And he told his version of the story, which is pretty much the same. But um, as he told it, he got goosebumps on his arms just remembering the story. And I looked down and I was like, whoa. And he goes, yeah, it still creeps me out. I'm all, oh my God. <laughs> so they turned to move out of the way, but nobody was there. So they kind of shrugged and they continued on. And then they heard the footsteps again. Um, they noticed that when they walked, they would hear the footsteps. And when they stopped, the footsteps would stop. Always behind them and always in heels. Now, Lori doesn't ever wear heels. Um And there was nobody on this side of the ship with them at the time. Frank, by this point, had gotten about, I don't know, 40 or 50 feet ahead of them with all of the stopping and starting that Lori and Jeremy were doing. 
So he turns around and sees that they're way back behind him. And so he walks back to them to ask them what's up. And they ask him if he heard the same footsteps. And he was like, no, I didn't hear anything. And so, like I said, he would later recount the story to me and get goosebumps telling me the story. So I wanted to start my part off with that. And I did share it in the original episode, but it's still one of my very favorite um, stories of paranormal activity on the Queen Mary that none of them could explain it to this day. They're like, we have no idea what that was. So this big beauty, as Laura (laughs) describes her, um, with her gross tonnage and her funnels uh, and her big guns, uh, <laughs> was named one of the most haunted locations in America by Time Magazine in 2019. So spirits can pop up in all sorts of places, but the Queen Mary boasts a stocked roster, including um, often glimpsed uh, spirits that I'm going to talk to you guys about this evening or this morning, wherever you're listening to us. The White Lady, John Henry, John Petter, and Winston Churchill, among others. So... Almost from the moment the ship docked in Long Beach, stories of paranormal um, activity began to surface. Those working to prepare her for dry dock would tell of seeing strange figures out of the corners of their eyes, or they would hear conversations when nobody was present. Uh, Tools would disappear only to turn up somewhere else on the ship and in areas where the owner of them had never been. There was um, a psychic by the name of Peter James who has since passed away, but he said that there were at least... 600 spirits on board the Queen Mary. That's a lot. I know. I was like, fuck. Um, And possibly more that we have actually yet to find. It is known and recorded that um, it was, you said 47 or 49 people died on board. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, There's conflicting accounts, but usually it's around 47. Right around that. Okay. Mm. So the reason for this sudden manifestation of spirits on the ship may never be known, but some have speculated that the permanent residents of the Queen Mary knew that their days days of sailing the open seas were over and showing their displeasure, um, they showed up on the ship. Others theorize that the displeasure comes from the wanton destruction of the ship uh, as it was being transformed from ocean liner into tourist attraction. Um, So whatever the case may be, one thing is certain, the spirits are aboard the Queen Mary and they're letting us know that they are there and that they are there to stay. So from crew members of the Queen Mary um, to chilling accounts of strange and supernatural occurrences that are said to be haunting the decks of the famous ship. Um, there is one such story. This is, it's, it made me laugh, but I was also like, I would hate this. One such story is that of a former captain who experienced frequent nightmares about running in circles <laughs> and then until finally appearing in front of a white figure located at the bridge. That was his recurring nightmare. He'd be running around in circles and then he'd stop and then he would be like, at the bridge in front of this like ghostly white figure. And I'm like, that's kind of funny, but also I would hate that every night. That would be super fucking annoying. Wouldn't it be so annoying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So shadow people lurk around every corner and they dart across hallways. Many people have photos with these specters in them. So here is where we bring in um, the first set of Ron's pictures um, so these are two photos and I'm going to show you the first one first. 
<laughs> Good plan. <laughs> this, this, uh, all right. I really wanted to, you know, present Ron's stuff with class, but never mind. Um, here we go. So he says that um, this one, there were 40 plus people on this particular investigation event and all 40 were facing this boiler room doorway, um, Mm -hmm. except for the tour guide that was talking to us and that tour guide's out of frame. Um, Nobody saw anything or anyone in that door in the distance. He said, I know I didn't. And he was stunned to see what was in the photo later on. So you can see the doorway and you can see what appears to be some sort of cloaked looking shadow figure. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a shadow and it's even covering, uh, it's in the doorway, but also covering part of the, part of the doors, one open, one, one closed. So it's actually even covering one of the part of the white closed door. So you can definitely make out, you You can definitely make it out. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a zoom. And we'll in. put these we'll put these online for uh, yeah. audio listeners too, so you guys can we check will. these out as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, here's the zoomed in version of this photo. Oh yeah. It's, it looks like some a dress, maybe. It does. Like a ball gown. It looks like a ball gown. Yeah. Does it look Because it looks of... like it comes to the cinched waist and mm-hmm. then And then flows, flows out. out. Like it's a flowy mm-hmm material and then maybe like a gloved arm like it's just i don't know i mean it's all shadow but it's there's definite um edges Mm. you know like you can see make out it doesn't it's not blurry it's very yes um, defined yeah yeah and for our skeptic to be saying that i'm like i like yeah that's it that's right laura tell him tell him okay the next that's a good, three, that's a good it's question. a good one. This next, this next one. So this next one, um, EVPE is a weekly show with, um, that started out with Tony and Cherie Rathman and Chris Allgood and Audra Keeler. It was just the four of them. But then when Chris and Audra were moving back here, um, they needed somebody to fill in for them. And, um, they had had, uh, Ron and Lourdes do that. Um, and then it just so happened to be that the dynamic and the camaraderie between them, all of them was so great that they brought Ron and Lourdes on permanently. So now it's a show hosted by six people. But I remember watching an episode where Ron had been on the show and he showed these photographs. And I was like, what in the hell? I have never seen spirit photography or spirit photographs that look like this. And um, so when we were redoing this episode or revisiting this episode, I was like, I want Ron's photos in the in the show. So I contacted him and I'm like, hey, um, if I remember correctly, it was you that captured those photos on the Queen Mary. And he was like, yes, it was. And I'm like, can I show them? He's like, absolutely. So these are the same thing. It's one photo and it's zoomed in. Might I've got three different versions to show you. I really don't think that it's going to take a lot of explaining because this is something truly mind-blowing, I think. Um, so here right. is the first one. <laughs> Let me see if I can get that. I'm like, quit talking to show me. <laughs> so All right. um, this is pictures of the doorway. Um, the This one is the original photo. Nobody was there. He actually made sure of it before taking a picture. Um, no patrons. It was actually closed. The female bartender in the room had just walked out of frame to the photo's right. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even open. They were getting ready. So this is 
the original picture. So it's looking <clears throat> into the Art Deco lounge called the Observation Bar. Yes, yes. Which it actually, now that the Queen Mary's back open again, a lot of what I'm going to talk about is no longer there because I looked. So this oh, is wow, called okay. something different. And yeah, the restaurants are different, named different mm-hmm. now. But this is what it was at the time. And he said that this was taken, this one was taken, the first one, sorry, the first one was taken 2013 on a Samsung phone. Mm-hmm. These were taken in 2017 on an iPhone. So not even like fancy yeah. camera. Mm-hmm. So do you see anything abnormal in this photo? Not that I can tell. There's like something weird kind of in the background, but it's too blurry to like make out. Yeah, it's kind of too far away. Let's zoom that mm-hmm. in. Oh, it's a person. So, yes, there was nobody standing outside those windows when he took this photograph he made sure he didn't want anybody in the photo so and he didn't notice it until he went back to look at the photos so you're looking it's a zoomed in of the picture uh the original Mm -hmm. photograph and we're focusing on the windows so another zoom in do you want to give your through the window you can i mean clearly see what i would say is a person standing Mm -hmm. there yeah. Kind I mean, of like with their arm like around their neck, like they're like Yeah, like kind of weirdly like they're doing something. Yeah. Like they're reaching. Like maybe into scratching their... the back of their head or something. Uh, I would almost say even like uh going like um reaching into their jacket inside pocket, maybe? Oh, okay. All right. Let's you take know, a look like at the closer one. Yeah, right, like yeah. That. Or it's behind. Like... I mean it's hard to see. But... It's hard to see, yeah. Let's take a closer look. <clears throat> now what do you see? Oh creepy fucker. Okay, so it strikes me as being uh, like dated. Um, Uh So yeah, his arm is, you're right, like looks more like it's behind his head uh, closer in. And it appears he's talking to someone actually. A smaller boy. Yeah, maybe somebody smaller standing in front of him. Yeah, either sitting in front of him or... Yeah, somebody smaller in statue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy and because it you can Looks like even... an older guy with like maybe yeah, glasses. Maybe glasses. Yeah. yeah. And you can see the collar, like mm-hmm. of the jacket. You can see that collar. Um, and then the kid is facing him, but like looking off, like toward like beyond him. Yeah. Is that not yeah. the most nuts thing? And that's yeah, it's it's um wow. What a they, yeah, right. and they yeah. even okay. uh, they even appear a little transparent because you can see the lights. So there's like this little ball of light, like right, like in the armpit area, and then there's like a mm. bar of light, and then that bar travels through the body, like you can see it. So they're kind of transparent too. Yeah, but there's no way this could be like a reflection type mm-hmm. thing or anything like that. Like no, there's nothing because yeah, looking wild. at the original. There's nobody in that room. Yeah, right, right. And he walked in and made sure, and the only person was the bartender who stepped out of frame to go back behind the bar. And so then, then he went out and he took that picture because he wanted to just, you know, the ambiance. and so the bar, have. yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Is that not so crazy? That's super crazy. I freaking love it. I am like, when I saw that on EVPE, I was like, who is this guy? And when was this taken? And when can <laughs> I get to the Queen Mary to try to replicate it? Um, cool. So, yeah. So, 
Um, you guys definitely check these out on, uh, mm, on our website. For sure. Um, yeah, on our um, website. We'll do it on our social media. Um, we always say that and then I forget to, but I will. I promise I will, guys, because these are pretty amazing. Um, so, yeah. So photos like that are captured all the time around the Queen Mary. Now, there is a story that I came across. Um, there was a couple who had gotten married on the ship. No, it wasn't my son's aunt and uncle. If it was, it would have really been funny. But uh, a <laughs> couple who had gotten married on the ship and spent their wedding night there, uh, they stated that an undead visitor walked into their room while they were sleeping shortly after midnight, waking them up. They watched him walk over and loiter near the locked door of the adjoining room. And then he turned to stare at them, but he wasn't threatening. Uh, they heard loud music and party chatter in the next in that next room over. And this dull yellow light illuminated the figure from like under the door, like the crack under the door. Um, and the guy was dressed like a sailor. So it was if he had had too much to drink and just wandered into the wrong room, Mm-hmm. Um, which starts the first of my list of questions. But um, <laughs> they said that they were sure that the adjoining door to that other room was locked. Now, he returned about an hour later, and this time they shouted at him to get out and stay out. This time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, again, adding to the questions. Um, the next morning, um, oh, they, they asked each other who had the nerve to enter the wrong room twice. <laughs> <laughs> and what why are you not putting like a chain on the door or you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like a yeah something something so um the next morning they told the front desk about what happened and were told quote i'm sorry sir the adjoining door in your room was bolted shut years ago and can't be reopened so i guess they figured he just staggered in from the party um mm-hmm. and then he told them that um and that room next to you was vacant last night Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So happy start to your married life. Have fun. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) So now regarding the collision with the Curacoa, um, down in the bow of the ship, there was a marine engineer who claimed to hear the sounds of rushing water, metal tearing, and men screaming, all on different occasions. A little while later, um, he would go on to read an article about the collision and said that, quote, the very area where I heard that rushing water was the exact same area that was damaged in the collision with the Curacoa. Um, this is what the crash would have sounded like. Um, however, the ship was docked and oper- in an operating hotel when this man heard all of that down there. So that yeah. is super sad. That's... That is. And they do... Like, I did read, and I didn't quite put it all on my part, but... Um, that most of the soldiers from the Curacoa would have been pulled under by the Queen uh, Queen Mary's propeller. Yeah. And they drowned that way. Ugh. And chopped up. Oh. Possibly. Why do I have to say that? Why do I have to go there, Laura? Stop me. So if it's in that area, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> others have had similar experiences and have also heard what sounds like dozens of hands pounding on the side of the ship, screaming to be let aboard. That is dis- disturbing on so many levels. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
as I mentioned earlier, there um, was John Petter, who was crushed by a watertight door. Uh, senior second officer William Eric Stark, who accidentally drank cleaning fluid instead of gin. And the cook, who was baked alive by his own kitchen staff during World War II. Um, how horrible do you have to be to, to your, for your staff to be like, go fuck yourself? <laughs> But arguably, the most notorious location on the ship for paranormal activity is stateroom B340. Its paranormal occurrences stem from a horrid event, or so it is said. So everyone seems to have their own story about who or what haunts the room. In 1948, a third-class passenger named Walter J. Adamson mysteriously died there. Is it his ghost that haunts the place, or was he killed by the ghost? So... Um, A woman residing in the room reported being woken up after her duvet was aggressively yanked off the bed, upon where she clocked the sight of a darkened figure standing at the foot of the mattress. While she was screaming for a steward, the figure dissolved into the ether and vanished. Now, over the years, other guests have reported hearing someone or something scratching and knocking at the door in the early hours of the morning. Uh Uh-uh. No, thank you. No, thank you. Scratching, why? Knocking, okay. Mm. Scratching, no. Um, While others have witnessed the bathroom lights mysteriously turning on and off. So staff routinely complain of running water in the bathroom despite the room having sat empty for days. While room attendants stated the bed covers were pulled off by an invisible force just after she had finished putting them on. (laughs) Poor housekeeping. It's always housekeeping. That's what my mom has always said on this show. She's like, it's always housekeeping. (laughs) tip them tip them well tip them well so apparently back in the 60s during one of the final transatlantic cruises before the ship was docked in long beach a man went crazy and brutally murdered two women his crimes were discovered and he was locked in his third class stateroom either be 222 224 or 226 The door was locked and a guard was posted outside. A little while later, he started pounding on the door, begging to be let out, saying somebody was in there with him trying to kill him. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) now you know how it feels. Um, (laughs) So the guard ignored him, thinking it was a ruse to escape. Mm -hmm. After a while, the passenger quieted down and the guard figured he went to sleep. So the next day, the ship arrives in New York, and the crew summoned the NYPD detectives. And when they went to appre- they went in to apprehend the murderer. When they opened the door to the stateroom, they found the man had been ripped apart and his entrails and limbs spread all over the room. But there was and there was no way he could have done this to himself. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. So upon the next sailing, uh, the paranormal reports started coming in from that stateroom. Um, so when it was docked in Long Beach. Um, The three third-class staterooms were combined into the larger guest room, B340, and the reports continued. By the 1980s, B340 was closed to booking because guests would leave in the middle of the night due to the volume of paranormal activity happening in the room. That's great. Isn't that so cool? Mm -hmm. So over the years, there have been variations of the story. Uh, A man killed his family in the cabin. A woman killed her husband. A husband killed his wife. A lone passenger's throat was cut. The list goes on and on. So for some reason, nobody can trace exactly what happened. Um, The ship records show nothing happening in any of those rooms. Mm -hmm. So according to Nicole Strickland, an author who wrote the book Spirited Queen Mary, the legend of B340 was invented in the late 80s or early 90s by employees of the Walt Disney Company, um, which owned the hotel at the time. 
So right. a few cast members wanted to scare guests who were asking about one of the yet unfinished rooms um, that was unavailable for bookings due to renovations. And so the legend was born. And I have heard that, that in B340, the Disney company would kind of turn certain rooms into kind of like use the same animatronics and tricks in the Haunted Mansion ride. Right. You know, doors would open and close, closets, whatever, water would turn on. Mm-hmm. But it was all set up. It was all set up by fake. The, fake. Mm-hmm. It was all fake by Disney because they mm-hmm. wanted to portray, like you said, they had this whole vision. Right. Um, yeah. So from that, you know, the legend was born. But if the tales are true, then unbridled psychokinetic thought energy would charge the room to cause manifestations of nomadic spirits that, you know, to me, is is even cooler than a haunt. Um, kind of like a tulpa, you know? Enough people mm-hmm. think it's true, and so it is just thought into existence. True. Yes. Mm-hmm. So whatever happened in the room to give it its spirited beginnings, there is real activity in there now. <laughs> <laughs> Covers have been reportedly pulled off guests while sleeping, clothes, clothes hangers rattle, Footsteps can be heard, as can knocks and more. The paranormal activity is so frequent and intense that some members of the crew refuse to go inside. So, um, and for the first time since the 80s, they had finally reopened the room for check-ins in 2019. In fact, shortly shortly before we recorded our original episode on the Queen Mary. Okay. So, in the first week since the room had been open to reservations back then, there had been 40 bookings. The stateroom has been entirely redone and opened to guests um, on Friday, April 13th. They opened it for the first time. Um, aside from it being haunted, it's just a, it was just a really beautifully redone room. The space was warm and comforting with modern amenities, classic elegance. Hard to kind of imagine being scared in that room because it's just it was just so nice. Really pretty, yeah. Yeah. So to enhance the scary quota, the stateroom uh, featured some spooky extras, a Ouija board, tarot cards, ghost hunting equipment, and electric candles. Um, And then the walls are covered with pictures of ghosts and stories of guest encounters. Um, In the mirror were directions, which I thought was so funny. In the mirror on the, like, side were directions for summoning Bloody Mary printed on the wall between the hairdryer and the individually wrapped soaps. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I don't know what it looks like today. I couldn't find anything on what B... 340 is like now um no didn't is this the room that disney forgot their stuff in mm-hmm. like didn't they this yes. is the same room right okay so that yeah. they had set it up as you know to be fake yeah. but then disney left yes and then a new owner took over and didn't realize that all that shit was in there and it was scaring the crap out of people yeah and then they figured that was it out it. then they found yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then stuff kept happening, but yeah. Right. So it, it that might be where it all started. That people believed it was this the rumors got around people. You know what I mean? Like thought I just energy. Think it's that that Disney left stuff in there. <laughs> like their animatronics are still going off. Right. Scaring the people. shit out of people, right? Who like it's not the haunted mansion right now, like, but they think they're having a nice time. Exactly. <laughs> Paying all this money for this fancy room and all of a sudden things are going off right and then people are leaving in the middle of the night they're not keeping their reservations like the hotel started losing money on it and then they were like we got to close this room Mm. um but you know the paranormal you know the with the rise of paranormal reality shows and things like that 
that's all come back around now. And now people like us are paying top dollar to stay at these fucking places. Um, Stanley Hotel, I'm looking at you. Uh, (laughs) So that's room B340. Now let's talk a little bit about your buddy, John Petter, um, who died in what is now called Shaft Alley and was given the nickname Half Hatch Harry. That's just mean. That's so mean. <laughs> so, um, further paranormal activity down in the engine room, especially around uh, hatch door number 13. Um, an infamous ghost from um, a- aboard the Queen Mary is the one of John Petter. He is also known by some as Half Hatch Harry due to the unfortunate details of his death. So, like you mentioned, in 1966, during a routine drill, the crewman who was only 18 at the time, reportedly played a daredevil's game of chicken, trying to run through a watertight door before it closed during its 60-second closing process. Um, He gravely miscalculated, and the door crushed him from collarbone to liver. So, Petter still seems to have his daredevil nature, as around door 13, uh, where he met his demise, dark silhouettes have been spotted skulking, even going as far as to chase workers... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and create loud metallic noises to frighten the tour the guests. Um, his ghost was regularly spotted by visitors prior to the pandemic, with some reporting the sound of footsteps and someone running behind them alongside the echo of a man whistling. So those visiting Shaft Alley, which gets his it gets his name. Nope. With Those visiting Shaft Alley, which gets its name, there it is, uh, from being a long, narrow passageway from the engine room to the stern, have encountered the ghostly crewman, uh, feeling the touch of a hand and noticing spots of grease that bear the fingerprints of an unseen entity upon their faces. Um, Ew. Right? (laughs) With greasy fingers. It was fine with it until, like, greasy fingers on my face. No. Um, come on, you have a 10-year-old son. Like, you're not used to that. He's constantly trying to touch my face, and I'm like, no, stop, no, stop. Don't touch my face. <laughs> Some even have claimed to see the figure of a young bearded man in blue overalls out of the corner of their eye, while other visitors encountered a young engineer wandering the hallways asking about a missing wrench, who then disappears back into the structure of the ship. Um, a former tour guide stated that they turned around and standing behind them on the step was a young man in dirty blue overalls. He stepped aside to let the man pass. And when he looked back up, the man wasn't there. He was just gone. Um, several people have also reported coming into contact with a little girl in the heart of the ship's engine area in this exact space, sometimes sucking her thumb and sometimes with a doll in her hand. Um, I just threw that in there because it's she's in the same area that this John Petter is. So... Here's the story of senior second officer, William E. Stark. Um, This poor guy. It's a sad story, but it's like, oh, God, like how? What? In September of 1949, um, William Eric Stark got permission from his commanding officer to have a drink and drink of to have a drink. No. And gin was his drink of choice. Mm -hmm. Water is mine. And I need more of it, apparently. Um... But he was unable to locate the bottle. So a steward by the name of F.R. Stokes located the bottle and gave it to him. What they didn't realize is that another shipmate used an empty gin bottle to store cleaning fluid, specifically tetrachloride, which is a solvent, a fire suppressant, and a refrigerant. 
You don't want to be drinking gin. this. Not, not gin. gin. I mean, sometimes <laughs> gin. gin can taste like maybe some of those things, but no. Mm-mm. You don't want to drink any of that stuff. So he downed it. Um, it didn't immediately kill him, but the effect he felt the effects immediately. Um, according to the report from the man who gave him the bottle, he said, quote, Mr. Stark came to my cabin again and said, I have drunk some kind of acid. I said, I'm sorry, sir. I thought it was gin. In the days that followed, he fell into a coma and died. So he has been seen walking through his personal quarters along the main deck and the promenade. Um, Tour guides have seen him standing near the control panel in the aft engine room with a clipboard in hand. Um, In our original episode, Archie goes, when I said that, Archie goes, sometimes you'll never leave middle management. And I was just like, (laughs) it's funny all over again. It's so true. (laughs) It was funny all over again. So I threw it back in in this script. Um, Some people speculate that he's still hanging around the Queen Mary because he's still looking for his, quote, nip of gin. So... Yeah, apparently he has not found it yet. Somebody didn't learn their lesson. I mean, listen. Um, also, don't use empty alcohol bottles for cleaning solvent because somebody's going to do it again. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Isn't it weird? So the first class pool is another hot spot, um, a hotbed of paranormal activity. Although um, the swimming pool has been abandoned for some time due to structural issues that defy California's safety codes, it was once a popular um, epitome of opulence. It was decorated with the most intricate mosaic tiles, an illuminated fountain, and um, a mother of pearl ceiling. It just sounds gorgeous. Um, Mm -hmm. And it does, like I said, it remains one of the most potent hotspots for ghostly apparitions. I do want to tell everybody again, as I did in the original episode, all of the pools on the Queen Mary have been drained. They are not, um, there's no water in any of the pools on the Queen Mary anymore. So uh, various sightings of collected presences have been recorded, including a young woman in a tennis skirt who saunters downstairs before disappearing behind a pillar. There's also an older woman wearing a wedding dress and a young boy in a suit. In a, I was going to say in a suit. Nope. In a suit standing next to the pool and a little girl in a blue dress. Um, she is, stands alongside a long slide? No. God damn, words are hard tonight. <laughs> Alongside a cloud of steam that billows out of nowhere. That sounds dangerous. Children, don't do that. Stay away from steam. <laughs> um, stay away from children who, yeah, steam. Steam. You tend to stay away from children who steam. It's not good. Um, one tour guide was walking into the pool area about 11 a.m. and he saw a young woman walking up the stairs. Uh, he would go on to describe this woman as being dressed out of the era. Um, and saying, quote, she was something out of the 1960s, straight out of Woodstock. She had long blonde hair down to her waist, dark tortoiseshell glasses, and a burnt orange turtleneck vest. And in the original episode we did, I was like, yeah, that is weird. Um, but now that's, I feel like that's coming back. So I'm like, that could have been just anybody. Right. I mean... She could have been on her way to Coachella, the same fucking outfit. Listen, Burning Man, you know, before it went (laughs) crazy, she was on her way there. Um, So he paused at the pillar to let her by. And when he turned to ask if he could help, she had vanished. And this was one thing that I thought was really interesting is that he noticed the woman made no noise as she was walking. So I guess in that area, there were a lot of loose tiles. It's very echoey. There's no water in the pools. It's, you know, mosaics everywhere. 
you can hear yourself and other people walk through it. But she made no noise walking past him whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah. So there's also the woman in a bathing suit. And this person... um, (laughs) Not a woman in a bathing suit. (laughs) It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Um, It doesn't even cover her funnels. So it's bad. It's bad. Um, The Queen Mary's passenger history is too dense to identify who this person could have been, but she appears to be in her 20s or 30s, and she's seen in an early to mid 1900s style bathing suit. She's most often seen heading to the changing rooms or walking along the edge of the pool. What's interesting is people have claimed to see wet footprints or puddles of water just before she materializes. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The next one I'm going to tell you guys about is Jackie. And Jackie is the famous little girl spirit that is found at the first class pool. So she's also one of the most beloved spirits on the ship. Um, Her full name was Jacqueline Porin. Now, Peter James, that late psychic that I told you about, who said there was about 600 spirits on the ship, um, he first found Jackie, um, She's who was about a young girl, about five to six years old. He found her in 1991 while exploiting... Exploiting? No. Sorry, that was sounded like a really bad start to a terrible story. Um, he found a young girl about five or six years of age in 1991 while exploring the Royal Theater with a film crew. He asked who she was and she audibly rep- replied in an EVP, meet me in the other pool. James was confused because he didn't realize that the room he was in had been the second class swimming pool during the ship's sailing days. So he did as she asked, and he met her in the first class pool. And what transpired there has now become part of paranormal legend. Peter conversed with Jackie for over 10 minutes, which is actually really rare to be able to communicate with a spirit for that long. Uh, The whole conversation was caught on camera. This event helped launch Peter into the spotlight and spawned the hit television show Sightings. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. So over the intervening years, many have tried to communicate with Jackie and she has been very free with her time. She's got a very playful side and she likes to have fun with people by playing peekaboo from the upstairs balcony. She will allow a glimpse of herself and then quickly duck down behind the balcony only to appear in another part of the pool to repeat her game. She's been heard giggling, laughing, playing and splashing in water. Um, But again, there's no water in these pools, so... Tour guides and their guests have observed all of this. With one watching, with one time they watched a wet, chi- wet child-sized footprints heading toward the locker room. With the guide stating, "I don't know that I I know that I saw what I saw. I'm not sure why I saw it, but I know that it was there." So that reminded me of the full friends thing. They don't know. We know. They know. We know. You know. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot of sauce. Um, many times people have walked through the pool. They have heard her plaintively calling for her mommy and asking for her teddy bear, which I think is really sad, but also got, has a tinge of creepiness to it. Um, it's believed that she remains on the ship looking for her mother, but, um, so little is known about this child that we really can only just speculate. Um, perhaps the lack of any information for this little girl is due to her possibly being part of the war bride cruises. Um, what we do know is that she drowned in the second class pool and she now likes to play in the first class pool. Who's going to stop her? She's a ghost. I mean, 
Fucking come up, little one, come up. Let's, let's party up here with the mosaic mother of pearl tile. Um, she does get around the ship, however, and she's been seen in many other areas. She's one of the most recorded spirits aboard the Queen Mary. Some investigators have asked her to sing them a song, and occasionally she's been captured doing just that when asked. Aww. Yeah. So there's another ghost, the lady in white. This ghost has been known to sing to Jackie. Um, there's also a girl known as Sarah who has taken it upon herself to be Jackie's protector. And I found an, an article that said that there is a ghost there known to m- most folks as grumpy. And I've never heard of this <laughs> ghost in any other thing I've done, even Just... last research. Mm-hmm. But he also seems to have taken an interest in this child, though why he has or who he is, nobody has been able to discover yet. So, um, John Henry is another um, individual that died on the ship that is another um, frequently seen and experienced apparition. He's believed to have died in the generator room during the construction of the Queen Mary in the 1930s. Today, complaints of noises, and I put in my notes, I typed noses. Today, complaints of, <laughs> the sentence is today, complaints of noises um, come through the walls. And I typed noses, and I was like, how terrifying would that have been? <laughs> Just a to nose. <laughs> see a nose come through the wall. So I was like, I typed noses, LOL, literally LOL. Um, anyway, noises. Um, and shadow figures plague that area. There are reports of being touched, their cheeks brushed, being put. I know how you would love that being pushed or tugged on. Um, also claims of spirits looking down on people through a hole in the ceiling and then darting away as well as clanks and bangs are reported in this area, which have been concluded to be the sounds that you would hear when constructing a ship. Interesting. Cool. So the restaurants and the lounges. Um, One server noticed a woman who caught her attention due to the way she was dressed. She was wearing an afternoon cocktail type of dress from the 30s Mm -hmm. or 40s. She had dark, real fancy. She had dark hair that was rolled at the sides and no makeup. She seemed pale and she didn't move. That was the one thing that stood out to this server. She never moved. (laughs) She just sat there. So the server moved on to a different table she was setting and she turned back around to look at her and there was no woman sitting there. This woman is frequently sane. Um, Bartenders claim to see a ghost named Bruce. Uh, They always feel something watching them and it tends to be Bruce and he also likes to move wine glasses around. Hmm. Don't touch my wine glass, Bruce. Fucking Bruce. (laughs) Fucking Bruce, man. I'm going to... I'll be like, Laura, watch my wine glass. I'm going to be right <laughs> Don't back. Don't let Bruce touch it. Don't let Bruce touch it. Um, so the former Sir Winston's restaurant and lounge had a spirit there who um, showed up in a top hat and tails with slicked back hair. And I say former because that's one of the restaurants that they've changed. So Sir Winston's oh, okay. isn't there anymore. Um, but this guy is known as The Dude. Um, <laughs> I... I He's he sounds like the fucking dude. He sounds like the top hat and tails. I mean, listen, um, they all agree that it's not Churchill himself. Uh, This figure is very dapper. Um, I don't know if that was a slight to Churchill, but (laughs) I mean, whatever. Um, He's been seen in corridors, but mostly in this restaurant. He's known to loudly clear his throat behind a guest to get their attention. And when they turn, then he disappears. (laughs) (laughs) Others um, see him making a hasty retreat through the wall and into the men's restroom. 
this is the part where Archie was like, that would be me. And I'm like, it absolutely would. Pay attention to me. But when we do, you're like, ah, run away. I'm out. I'm out. So this ghost has been seen drinking at the bar. But when someone approaches him to ask him a question or have a conversation, he vanishes. Um, Churchill is there, however. So often, um, Churchill often stated that the ship was his headquarters on the sea. It was also during one of these trips that he took on the Queen Mary where he signed the D-Day Declaration. So guests have reported citing him in his private quarters, the promenade, um, the sun and sports decks and M deck. So thumps, bumps and throat clearing um, and the overpowering smell of cigar smoke have been reported in his empty suite and the promenade deck, even though smoking is not allowed anywhere on the ship. So that would be cool. But at the same time, I can't stand the smell of cigars. Um, <laughs> now, there here's some new locations that I found um, since the first time we covered uh, the ship. The isolation ward. Uh, yeah. So the isolation ward, um, is not really a pleasant area of any ship. It's, you know, where the sick and the dying are kept, um, living out their final days and where prisoners, um, are sometimes placed to atone for their crimes. Um, so not a really lovely place. And the Queen Mary's isolation ward saw its fair share of visitors over its decades of service. And it seems that some of those folks have never left visitors down there. Um, on tours and during explorations have felt president presidents. Nope. What the hell? This is a terrible <laughs> episode. We're going to have to revisit. They're feeling up presidents down there. <laughs> Winston, don't go down there. <laughs> oh my God. We're going to have to redo this episode. Fuck. Have felt presences and seen shadowy figures. <laughs> We're going to get the prime minister next. <laughs> Good God. Um, perhaps nothing too out of the ordinary given it's a haunted ship, but considering the disease and deaths that took place in the room, um, the experiences are kind of made all the more creepy. So if that wasn't bad enough, there is a placard up upon one wall of the isolation ward detailing the names of all of those known to have died upon the ship, as well as the causes of their deaths. Um, upon it, you can see that more passengers actually died on board than the crew did. So next time you want to stay there, um, B-474. Now, this is one that I did cover in the original episode, and it is one of the most chilling stories from the Queen Mary. Um, it's the murder of a family inside room B-474. For unknown reasons, um, they're clothed. They're clothed. Did they go to the Clyde? <sighs> go on. They're from, the, they're from the Clyde in Scotland, as we learned in the beginning. Um, their cold-blooded killer of a father strangled mm. the mother and sisters and then shot his um, last remaining daughter by the name of Dana in the um, room's bathroom before turning the gun on himself. So... Um, as if the brutal murder wasn't enough, the ghost of a young girl um, who is said to be Dana is still around. Um, she's often seen in the archive and cargo areas of the ship, as well as playing and hiding amongst um, the crates below decks. Mm -hmm. Investigators have gone down there in an attempt to find her to get some answers and um, claim that proof of her existence. Um, uh, because there's not a lot of... 
backing up that we can find about this murder story. Mm-hmm. So um, they say that she has been found um, in the form of orbs and mists in photos. She's also been experienced near the second class pool. Um, of course, B-474 is said to be rife with paranormal activity, most likely stemming from the awful events um, of what occurred there. Dana is not a malicious ghost, though. Um, she is mostly seen playing and occasionally calling out for her mother, which I think is... The the little kid ghosts that are looking for their parents really make me sad. Me too. Yeah. Oh, you're done. She's muting because the dog is barking. Um, There's also the tall man. Now, this is a new one. Presumably dating back from the Queen Mary's first voyages in the 30s comes a ghostly figure seen on many separate occasions. Apparently, this man is tall, hence the name, uh, with dark hair and dressed in 1930s style clothing. He's been spotted around the first class suites, walking around to only disappear in the blink of an eye. Seems friendly enough, though. Guests and staff have watched him smile at them as he continues on his journey. So, at least he's happy. That's nice. That's nice. Um, The rooms around the first class suites are not as chipper, though, it seems. So, inside these rooms, lights turn on in the middle of the night. Phones ring only to have nobody at the other end. And water begins running by itself. Um, So, I did watch the BuzzFeed Unsolved about this. And mm-hmm. Ryan Bergara even reported the faucet running um, on its own accord in his first day on the Queen Mary. Um, and as he entered the room, his toothpaste fell to the was like knocked off the counter by an unseen force and fell to the floor. So whether these are the doings of the tall man or by someone else, you know, we may never know. So here are some more um, little little small things to round this out real nice. Um, I lost my place. The women's changing rooms. Um, It's a really cramped and dark space um, with numerous tiny rooms lined up on both sides. They're located at the back of the pool and are said to hold a swirling vortex of negative energy, something like a dimensional gateway. Uh, They produce heavy feelings detected by several psychics. Some say this could be due to a woman who had been raped there at one time. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Um, swirling vortex of negative energy that checks sounds about right (laughs) yeah so the lady in white that i talked to you about earlier which is very protective of jackie some Mm -hmm. legends are hundreds of years old with reported sightings of a woman in white or a child running around a ship in little period attire um this woman's origins are unknown the lady in white is said to be a first class passenger who is still dancing in the queen's salon of the ship um, in a long gown. She's also been seen in the lobby near the piano. Um, and when she's not dancing, she can be seen gliding down the stairs to the lobby, walking past the corridors, or disappearing near the elevator. So it's not just humans that haunt the ship. Um, there are cats that haunt the ship as well. Uh, the changing rooms near the first and third class pools have captured EVPs of meowing cats. Uh, some- <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> Well, because they they had like dog dog areas and all kinds yes, of stuff. Like yes, they, you're saying. It was just, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. So cats too. Some <laughs> claim feeling something invisible brush against their legs. Years of searching have failed to turn up any cats anywhere on the ship. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, 
So here are some miscellaneous stuff. Other occurrences range from changing um, room temperatures to hearing doors slam shut without warning while visitors board. Despite all these tales, the true origin of this haunted ship is yet to be discovered. Although I think from Laura's history, the collision with the Kurokoa, the, you know, the many um, people that were dying simply from the heat. And it was, would you Mm -hmm. say one burial at sea every four hours? Yeah. That's a lot of death. And there could have been, you know, you we were talking about the banging earlier. That could have been like the guys trying to get out of there. Like it doesn't. Oh shit, you're right. Because it was so hot and so like mm-hmm. they were they were. I mean, you've seen the pictures, right? Yeah. Where they're just stacks, 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 stacks and stacks of bunks, like so cramped in there. So yeah, it, it, that gives yeah. my claustrophobic ass like the heebie-jeebies <laughs> real fast. So, would you ever stay on the Queen Mary? Yeah. Now that like the state, have you ever gone on a cruise? I've never been on a cruise. I have never been on a cruise, um, mostly because I want to go somewhere and experience the culture now. But when <laughs> like you are on a cruise, it doesn't seem like you get a lot of time time to experience yeah. like off the ship. It seems like you're mostly filing on and off. Like I would like to do an Alaskan cruise or you know something like that where you yeah the big a big draw of it is actually you're going to see from the ship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people that I know have gone on Alaskan cruises and say they're just And a lot stunning. of people love cruises, which is, mm-hmm. you know, that's, totally that's fine. for them. Yeah, yeah. no worries. Yeah. Um, so many passengers have reported seeing lights dancing around certain decks on the Queen Mary, as well as hearing voices whispering from empty hallways. Despite years of skeptics and non-believers, these eerie tales still resonate with many visitors on board this haunted vessel. World War II uniform-clad soldiers have also been spotted roaming around the A, B, and M decks. EVPs um, of voices speaking um, of military duties and commands have also been captured. So Interesting. Yeah. Um, in closing, finally we're here, guys, closing it up, and we're at an hour and a half. Yeah, so an hour of my, of my part. Um, most of the Queen Mary's 355 rooms are considered to be haunted. Upon check-in, the front desk has provide will provide a list of every room that has had reported instances of paranormal activity. Um, but of all cool. 12 decks, the B deck is considered the hub of supernatural activity and it is often um compared to the fourth floor um of the stanley hotel with regard to paranormal activity which you and i are very familiar with um so she is located at 1126 queens highway in long beach california 90802 if you have any questions about rates uh reservations anything like that uh, phone number is 562-435-3510. And you can check out um, all of her new upgrades and things that are going on with her now at queenmary.com. And to that I say, thank you for revisiting the Queen Mary with us, guys. Yes, thank you. That was a lot of fun. Yes. Yes, it was a lot of fun. So thank you so much. Um, you found a lot of stuff that I didn't know that I hadn't heard before. So as always... Good. Um, I would say bang up job, but I think that's insensitive given what happened on the ship. Crash, bang, you know. Uh, anyway, you want to tell people where they can follow us should they choose to do so? Sure. You can follow us at... You want to click the thing? Man, I, tried to, <laughs> I, I tried to click the thing! Um, on Instagram, Facebook, and the TikTok at HOH Podcast. And also on the TikTok at HOH Carrie and at HOAH co host Laura. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> this episode didn't go a whole lot better 
question than the first one. And uh, yeah, I believe it. I am the problem. I am the antihero of the Queen Mary. Um, I'm the common denominator in all of it. So uh, thank you guys very, very much. We um, have a lot more to record for you. So we're going to hop off of here. We're going to record some more episodes because this bitch is going on vacation. And yeah, not this bitch, that bitch, that bitch over here. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we've got more to record. So um, you're going to see me in this outfit for a few weeks. Um, love you. We will see you next time. And as we always say, stay safe out there because you never know. Who? Just say it all. Or what is listening? Or banging on the ship to be let in. Bye, guys. Thank you.